Welcome to our final installment of our sermon series on the seven holy virtues. Today we wrap up with the fourth cardinal virtue and the final of the seven holy virtues, justice. Our text for today comes from the Old Testament book of Amos, chapter 5, verses 18 through 24. Alas, for you who desire the day of the Lord, why do you want the day of the Lord? It is darkness, not light, as if someone fled a lion and was met by a bear, or went into the house and rested a hand against the wall and was bitten by a snake. Is not the day of the Lord darkness, not light, and gloom with no brightness in it? I hate, I despise your festivals, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. In the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals, I will not look upon. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps. But let justice roll down like waters, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Let us pray. Almighty God, forgive us for all of the times that we assume that we must be in your good graces, even while our sisters and brothers in the world are hurting around us. Lord, remind us today that true worship means loving the poor, loving the outcast, and working for equity in your creation. Lord, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And now let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Isn't it great to be on the winning team? We live in Titletown, and we love it. We just expect to come out on the winning side. And sometimes, though, we're surprised. And please forgive the football analogy, but the season is getting close. Most of us, many of us at least, can remember that magical run in Alabama football at the end of the 1970s. Coach Bryant was at the helm. Now, we did lose to USC in the season opener of 1978, but we finished the season without another loss. The goal line stand against Penn State in the Sugar Bowl clinched a share of the national championship. It's one of the most iconic images in the history of football as, as Alabama held on to beat Penn State for the championship. In 1979, we rolled over everyone on the schedule. Only Tennessee and Auburn were even close. And of course, we were champions in 1979. We were certain the entire Bama nation was certain of a historical three-peat, the first ever in college football that we would win back-to-back-to-back national championships. And quite frankly, we were a little arrogant, the kind of arrogance that precedes a fall. Then, late in the season, we went to Mississippi State, a team that had never beaten us. I remember listening to the game on the radio. It wasn't big enough for TV. Nobody thought much of it. We were certain of a win. The whole world was certain of a win. But we suffered a humiliating loss, 6-3. to three. The dream was over. The three-peat would not happen. Mighty Alabama had fallen to Mississippi State. We expected a championship. Honestly, we thought we deserved a championship. We were horribly surprised by defeat. When Amos began prophesying, the northern kingdom of Israel was sure they were on the winning team. 
About 150 years before Amos, Israel claimed its independence from Judah, the southern kingdom, became its own nation, and at the time of Amos, Jeroboam II was king, and life was good. Israel conquered enemies and expanded its borders. They were experiencing a great time of prosperity as wealth increased. Everything was going just their way. It seemed to be perfect. They experienced the thrill of a superpower status of sorts. Surely, God must be on their side, they assumed. That was the thought process of the ancient world. Winning battles and amassing wealth was a sign of God's favor. If we're growing and if we're getting rich, then we must be doing the right thing. God must be pleased with us, is what they thought. And we see that presumption of favor in today's text. The people are excited about the coming day of the Lord. They are desiring it. They just assume that God favors them. And they assume that God is coming to bring them justice from their enemies. They're cheering God on, saying, Get our enemies, God. Sick them, God. Vindicate us. Go win more battles for us. After all, they deserve to win. They were in for a surprise, though. Amos doesn't mince any words in this prophecy. For you, the day of the Lord will be darkness, not light. Like fleeing a lion or running into a bear. Like resting against a nice shady wall only to be bitten by a snake. And Amos doesn't let up. He then begins to attack their worship. He says to him, God hates your worship. What you do to celebrate God is actually disgusting to God. Israel thinks they are basking in God's favor even while God's judgment is bearing down on them. They were surprised by justice. What were they missing? Where did they go so wrong? Well, Amos spells out the accusations against Israel earlier in chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, where he says, Thus says the Lord, For three transgressions of Israel, and for four, I will not revoke the punishment. Because they sell the righteous for silver, and the needy for a pair of sandals. They who trample the head of the poor into the dust of the earth, and push the afflicted out of the way. Father and son go into the same young woman, so that my holy name is profaned. They lay themselves down beside every altar on garments, taken as a pledge, and, the, and, the, and in the house of their God they drink wine, bought with fines they imposed. Israel, in spite of their, or maybe because of their incredible success, is being brutal to the poor. None of that wealth is making its way down to the poorest of the people around them. Instead, they, in their greed, they continue to trample over the poor and to cast out those that they don't like. During the same time period, Israel traded the worship of Yahweh for the worship of the gods of the Canaanites, Asherah, the god of sex, Anat, the god of war, and Baal, the god of weather, which in an agrarian society really means the god of prosperity. And these gods do not make any requirements for justice for the poor. You could serve those gods and just take care of yourself while Yahweh demands treating poor people well. Israel's worship is an insult to God as long as it is treating people badly. Let me repeat that. Israel's worship 
is an insult to God as long as Israel is treating people badly. You see, all people are made in God's image. When we treat people badly, we disrespect God's image. It's not just the people that we're offending, it's the God who loves the people that we're offending. We can't worship and disrespect God at the same time. It's impossible. We cannot worship God while at the same time disrespecting God. When we disrespect people, our worship is invalid. Israel's only hope was to let justice flow like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Israel's only hope was justice. Our only hope is justice. But what is it? What is justice? The Roman Catholic Catechism defines justice this way. Justice is the moral virtue that consists in the constant and firm will to give their due to God and neighbor. Justice toward God is called the virtue of religion. Justice toward people disposes one to respect the rights of each and to establish in human relationships the harmony that promotes equity with regard to persons and to the common good. Justice requires that we work for equity among our sisters and brothers in the world. A justice that uh, a religion that promotes me over my neighbors is not just and is not does not honor God. Like the people of Israel, though, we are quick to celebrate the coming of the Lord, aren't we? We sing about it all the time. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Oh, the joy of an unclouded day. We like to say, God is on my side. That who can be against me? We, we're almost boasting like we think we've won a championship or something. If God is for me, who can be against me? But what if God is not for me? Is it possible that we have assumed too much? Too many people are still hungry in our world while we have a surplus of food. Too many people are disenfranchised because they are perceived as different. For too many, what we call the American dream, what we enjoy as the American dream, is nothing more than a foolish fantasy. Have we, like Israel, worshipped the gods of war or pleasure or prosperity? May we choose to live faithfully with God and with people. Amos does end his book with hope. God will build a kingdom of justice and equity. God is building that kingdom now. God is inviting us to join in that task. Almighty God, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. And Lord, let it flow through us. Amen.